Hello, I'm Daniel. I'm a meditation teacher in Kansas City, and this is my podcast, Sharpening the Mind. The teachings in this podcast are free of charge, but of course, if you feel compelled to make a donation, you can do so by clicking the link in the show notes. Hi, I am going to give a talk from the Dhammapada today. And this is chapter one, which is called Dichotomies. Chapter one called Dichotomies. And I want to let you know I'm reading from the Dhammapada Teachings of the Buddha, translated with annotations by Gil Fransdahl. That's the version that I'm using. Okay? Okay. So, I'm going to be reciting the text and giving commentary throughout. And hopefully it's really easy to tell uh, when I'm reading and when I'm speaking. So, all experience is preceded by mind, led by mind, made by mind. Speak or act with a corrupted mind and suffering follows as the wagon wheel follows the hoof of the ox. All experience is preceded by mind, led by mind, made by mind. Speak or act with a peaceful mind and happiness follows, like a never-departing shadow. So, what's this saying here? I think it's, it's not trying to say that I can just will things into existence, that I can just shape my experience like I have superpowers or something, but rather, I decide what kind of day I'm going to have today. I decide it. If you've ever had that experience where you think you're going to have a bad day and then you do and then you wonder, oh, did I put that expectation? Did I put that expectation into the, into the universe? Did I cause my own harm? Because that's that's the first thing I think. I think, oh, oh, did I – am I responsible for that? And that's what I think of when I think of – experience being preceded by our mind, led by our mind, I think of that there's two things. There's the world and the way the world is, and then there's our reaction to it. And we can react where we're mindless and just something happens and we just do something in response, or we can respond instead of reacting. We can choose what we're going to do. We can choose how we're going to respond to a situation rather than just knee-jerk reactions all the time. So in that sense, these teachings can be really um, empowering. They can be really empowering because we're saying, like, my mind has this power. I'm seizing, I'm seizing the day. I'm seizing the power with my mind. Okay? So uh, back to the text now. This is in quotation marks. He abused me, attacked me, defeated me, robbed me. For those carrying on like this, hatred does not end. She abused me, attacked me, defeated me, robbed me. For those carrying on li- not carrying on like this, hatred ends. Hatred never ends through hatred. By non-hate alone does it end. This is an ancient truth. So... Things happen, you know, things happen, good things, bad things, life is hard, and 
of course, this is not to say you should automatically forgive your abuser or whatever and let them back. Certainly don't let them back in your life. But if you have an abuser, of course, not everyone does. Um, it's not like that. We should learn from the past and learn from times we've been harmed. But at the same time, what we don't want to do is live in the past. What we don't want to do is live in the past. So it can happen that we carry around a lot of weight that really doesn't help us any. And it would be helpful to us to put down that that emotional baggage. It would help us to put down that emotional baggage. And also, like, carrying hatred for someone, well, that doesn't help you. That doesn't help you. Um, the meditation teacher, Stephen Levine, he said... You can let someone back into your heart without letting them into your house. And I think about that sometimes. I think about that sometimes. You can let someone back into your heart without letting them into your house. And that just means, man, don't carry around that hate. But that doesn't mean you're not protecting yourself. It just means you're actually helping yourself because that hate, carrying on that hatred, it doesn't help you. It doesn't help you. I think we sometimes think that like hatred can and anger can like motivate and inspire us and help us. And the truth is those these kind of feelings always lead to bad decisions. They always do. The Buddha said giving into hatred is like grasping a hot coal to throw at someone. You get burned when you pick it up, right? You get burned when you pick it up. You might still throw it at the other person, but then you're both hurt, right? So back to the text. Many do not realize that we here must die. For those who realize this, quarrels end. I like that a lot because it just it just reminds us we're all going to die. Death comes for everyone, right? And when we remember that, maybe we don't get caught up in so much nonsense. Right? Maybe we don't argue over things that don't matter. Maybe we don't get in arguments on Facebook, right? Because you're going to die one day. Do you see that how you want to spend your time? Right? Can I walk away from the fight instead? Probably. And I sometimes feel like we live like we're in a burning building together and we're, instead of getting out, we're arguing about the furniture or something. Because we're all in this world, we're all in this world with suffering, aging, sickness, death, all these things that we're facing, these things that really harm us a lot sometimes, and we get caught up in arguing with each other about things that don't matter. We don't show each other basic kindness and decency sometimes, and we could. We could always do that. So, back to the text. Whoever lives focused on the pleasant, senses unguarded, immoderate with food, lazy and sluggish, will be overpowered by Mara, as a wet tree is bent in the wind. Whoever lives focused on the unpleasant, senses guarded, moderate with food, faithful and diligent, 
will not be overpowered by Mara, as a stone mountain is unmoved by the wind. Mara is um, a sort of a personification of our our struggles, really. Mara, you can think of Mara as like a devil figure, but uh, com- coming from us. So not necessarily like not an evil thing that's trying to destroy us, but just as our own tendency to make bad choices, basically. So, so what's the Buddha telling us to do? Be faithful and diligent. Okay, those are, those are good qualities. Be faithful and diligent instead of lazy and sluggish. Okay, that's good advice, right? Be moderate with food instead of immoderate with food. So we don't have a good relationship with food in the modern world. We just don't. But um, I'm thinking about sort of when I eat too, too many chips and my stomach starts to hurt. That's being immoderate with food. That's like a clear, clear line. This happened, then this happened, right? I eat the unhealthy food and then I eat too much of it and then my stomach hurts because I really enjoy it. So I eat too much of it. I'm immoderate. And I should know the right amount to eat. I should and eat that amount. Be moderate with food. Senses guarded instead of senses unguarded. So that means like I'm focused. I'm really paying attention to the world around me so that I don't get caught up in things that are trying to distract me or the things that make me forget to pay attention. Because when you're not paying attention, when your senses are unguarded and you're just receiving whatever's coming at you, and you're not really thinking about it, it's really easy for people to sell you stuff. Really easy. I think um, there's the media in the modern world really is focused on getting our senses to be unguarded so they can exactly so they can sell us stuff. And that's true of the old media of TV and of the social media as well. The focus is get your senses unguarded and then sell you things. And, you know, if you search for something on your phone and then ads for that show up in your Facebook, well, you just should know what's going on, right? They're trying to slow down your mind and then they're trying to sell you something that you probably don't need, right? So this focused on the unpleasant versus focused on the pleasant, so that's a little bit it's a little bit like what? Right? Why would I focus on the unpleasant, right? And what this is saying is I sort of don't like this terminology pleasant and unpleasant. What this is saying is don't get obsessed with pleasure all the time. Don't get obsessed with pleasure all the time. And we are sometimes. We are obsessed with Pleasure, getting the things we want, obsessing with ourselves. And that gets in our way more than a lot of other things. Um, Ironically, obsessing about yourself and what you want all the time leads to unhappiness. Because the truth is, there's no limit. You can always want more. We are consuming creatures and we can always consume more. We can always chase after more. So... Focusing on the pleasant is like focusing on 
getting all the things we want all at once lined up perfectly. That's focusing on the pleasant. And focusing on the unpleasant, that's more focusing on the world as it really is rather than as we wish it was. So being in the circumstance I'm in now and thinking, well, what can I do to make this better? Instead of thinking, oh, I wish I didn't have to worry about how high my mortgage payment is. Because I want to be thinking, what can I do about that? Rather than thinking, oh, woe is me, right? Or rather than thinking, oh, well, someday, someday I'll be there. And then I just sit and think about that. Well, who does that help, right? So, going back to the text. Whoever is defiled and devoid of self-control and truth yet wears the saffron robe, is unworthy of the saffron robe. Whoever has purged the defilements is self-controlled, truthful, and well-established in virtue, is worthy of the saffron robe. So, the saffron robe, what, right? That is just, who is a monk? Who is a monk, or, or none, or... Really, I think more accurately, like, who's the real spiritual person? Who's the real spiritual person? The Buddha was even aware that there would be non-virtuous monks. There would be people in monks' robes who are just as greedy and selfish as anyone else. And at the same time, there would be people who are not ordained, who are not monks at all, who have the self-control, honesty, and virtue and can exist as an ideal. Can exist as an ideal. So the Buddha is telling us like, well, just because someone's wearing a robe, well, they might not be worthy of the robe. And I think we can think of our own examples of spiritual leaders from various traditions who have maybe not been worthy of the title that they had of the respect that they were given and the deferment they got, right? We can think of numerous probably religious leaders throughout history who maybe seemed like they weren't worthy. Okay, so going back to the text. Those who consider the inessential to be essential and see the essential as inessential don't reach the essential, living in the field of wrong intention. Those who know the essential to be essential and the inessential is inessential reach the essential, living in the field of right intention. Man, that that was the hardest, hardest section really to read. Essential, inessential, what are we talking about, right? So we're talking about how we don't always focus on the right things. We sometimes get caught up focusing in insignificant things and can get so just caught up in things that don't matter and we forget to do our meditation practice. We forget to give to charity. We forget to do the kind things we should do because we're getting caught up in the inessential. We're getting caught up in other things besides living the most awakened and virtuous life that we can. So that's, that's the essential versus the inessential. So 
Back to the text. As rain penetrates an ill-fatched house, so lust penetrates an uncultivated mind. As rain does not penetrate a well-thatched house, so lust does not penetrate a well-cultivated mind. So, I just think of the three little pigs in the straw house. Um, But, so we're talking about, it's a metaphor, obviously, but our minds, we're training our minds. We're training our minds so we learn how to focus on the things we want to focus on so we don't get so caught up in greed, hatred, and delusion so we don't get so held back by our emotional baggage so we can engage the world in an authentic way. And not training our minds is like having a house with holes in the roof and rain can get in. The rain is... Lust, but really, really, it could be anything. It could be greed. It could be hatred. It could be any of the things that don't serve us. If our mind's untrained, it's like not having a whole ceiling. Okay? Next. One who does evil grieves in this life, grieves in the next, grieves in both worlds. Seeing one's own defiled act brings grief and affliction. One who makes merit in this life rejoices in the next, rejoices in both worlds. Seeing one's own pure acts brings joy and delight. I'm going to read a little bit more before I comment. One who does evil is tormented in this life, tormented in the next, is tormented in both worlds. Here he is tormented knowing, I have done evil. Reborn in the realms of woe, he is tormented all the more. One who makes merit is delighted in this life, delighted in the next, delighted in both worlds. Here she is delighted knowing I have made merit. Reborn in realms of bliss, she delights all the more. Now, the Buddha believed in rebirth. The Buddha believed that you, when you die, you have an aspect of your consciousness, an aspect of your being goes into a new life and potentially in a new world where what you have done impacts where you go. I don't really want to go into it deeper than that right now, but that's what he's talking about with the grieves in this life, grieves in the next life, all that stuff. But we don't need to go that far actually because I think when we re- really pay attention to our life stories, I think every one of us can point to s- something where an incident where you did the wrong thing and you knew it was the wrong thing. Maybe you made an excuse to convince yourself it was okay. Maybe you didn't, but you knew it was the wrong thing and you did it. And then there were consequences. I think we can all relate to that. And I, I do feel like in this world, we don't really get away with things. Not really. And I don't need um, what we would call spirituality or religion or magical thinking to think that because that's what I've perceived in my own life is if I make an excuse to make myself feel like it's okay to do something and then I do it, Well, later, something bad comes from that. 
it's happened to me several times. I'm sure it has you as well. So we don't need to go into the spirit world to really talk about what we're talking about here, which is karma, which really just means actions have consequences. Actions have consequences. So we are coming on to the last part of the chapter. One who recites many teachings, but being negligent doesn't act accordingly, like a cowherd counting others' cows, does not attain the benefits of the contemplative life. One who recites but a few teachings, yet lives according to the Dharma, abandoning passion, ill will, and delusion, aware and with mind well freed, not clinging in this life or the next, attains the benefits of the contemplative life. So we want to be careful. Um, We could get caught up just talking about how great these teachings are and thinking about how great they are and even, even doing a good thing like reading a lot about them. But we're expected to embody this. That's the whole point. So it's not just about what you can learn or even how well you can talk about it. It's about how you live your life. That's what this, the Dhammapada is the Buddha's plan for how we can live our lives. How we can live our lives. So that's it for today. And I hope this talk has been helpful. This has been chapter one, dichotomies of the Dhammapada. Thank you. Thank you for listening and have a good day.